0: Go to overcomecompulsivehoarding.co.uk slash online therapy to get 20% off your first month of cognitive behavioural therapy with weekly sessions online with a therapist in addition to worksheets, a journal, meditation and yoga videos and unlimited messaging. There's strong evidence that CBT can help people who hoard and accessing therapy online can be affordable and accessible. Find out more and get your discount at OvercomeCompulsiveHoarding.co.uk slash online therapy. Welcome to the Overcome Compulsive Hoarding with That Hoarder podcast. I am drowning in stuff and trying to find a way out. Listen as I explore the issues and delve deep as somebody profoundly affected by hoarding disorder. Find out more, including links to subscribe to the podcast and all of my social media at overcomecompulsivehoarding.co.uk. Finally, I am not a doctor. I am just a hoarder doing her best. So do seek professional support if and when you need it. Hey, how are you? I am good. I am going to start with a new review today, which was lovely and made me happy. So. On Apple Podcasts USA, Giovanni B said, This podcast helped me feel not alone on a topic that I otherwise have a hard time acknowledging. Thank you so much. Thank you. I couldn't make it if it wasn't for the people listening. And we're all muddling through it together, I think. So, I like my soap to smell nice. I like interesting smelling soaps. I like generally nice smelling soaps. And I like to have new nice smelling soaps, not the same ones again and again. I like variety and nice smells. And once in a while, I will get a soap and I don't love it I don't love the smell, or I don't love how it makes my hands feel, or something along those lines. And what I will do is I will say, okay, I'm going to keep this for spare. So if I run out of soap I like, I've got this, but in the meantime, I will use soap that I do really like. And that sounds like a reasonable way of running your life. However... (laughs) What I realised quite recently is that when I do put a soap or a shampoo or anything somewhere to use as spare, it just disappears from my brain. So I don't feel like I've got soap and spare soap. I feel like I've got soap. And if I think of the other soap, I just think, oh yeah, that's the one I didn't really like. And so what I find is that I then I'm using a different soap, and I go, "Oh, I better get some spare soap," because the fact that I have spare soap has already gone from my brain. And I also realised this recently with dishwasher powder. I on I keep like my dishwasher detergent and the washing and the laundry detergent on top of the dishwasher and it's but it's a bit tight for space, and so I was looking through the things on top of the dishwasher to see if there's anything that doesn't need to be there and I came across this pack of dishwasher detergent that I know is there it's been there for years, and it's there because at some point it must have got a bit damp or something, so the dishwasher powder in this pack is solid. And so if I ever do want to use it, it involves breaking it up a bit before I can put it in the dishwasher. And so I don't do that. I use the dishwasher powder that's on the go. And then when that runs out, I get more. Well, no, let's be honest, I get more in advance. And the fact is this dishwasher powder, the one that's packed solid, could be a spare. But it's not. If I ran out, I would still be quite unlikely to use it. And the thing is, we end up with spares of spares, spare, spares. We end up with backups of backups. And because they become kind of invisible in our brains, we just keep piling more spare, spares up and more backup, backups up. And we wonder why there's no space on top of the dishwasher for laundry detergent, or we wonder why there's no space on the bathroom shelf for soap. And those things, the spare soap we don't like, the dishwasher powder that got damp, they have this space that we feel we can't do anything about because we can't throw away Half a tub of dishwasher powder can't throw away an almost pristine soap. So we justify keeping it and we would feel bad getting rid of it, but we don't treat it as the spare that it is. And of course, what also happens is that three soaps later, we try another new soap and don't love it. And so that goes on to the growing pile of spares but we still can't throw away the original one. And then we get more spares and we get more spares and suddenly we're drowning in spares and we don't even know it because our brain tunes them out because they're familiar and because somewhere in there, somewhere in our brain, we've justified keeping it because keeping a spare is a normal, rational thing to do. You don't want to run out of soap. You don't want to run out of dishwasher detergent. You don't want to run out of whatever it is. And we can really do a lot of mental work to justify keeping these things. The other day, I was looking for a top to throw on. Just, I just needed to nip outside. I wasn't going anywhere, but I needed to nip outside, not in my pyjamas. And in the kind of, ah, I can't find a top, I put my hands on a top that I don't like. <laughs> I don't like it. Don't like the fabric. Doesn't feel good. Fits okay, but just don't like the feeling on my skin. And I threw this top on, did what I needed to do outside and thought, ah, it's lucky I didn't donate that because if I donated it, I wouldn't have been able to find a top because that was the only top I could find. And that bit of my brain that wants the justification for keeping everything was quite pleased at that moment. See, justifies keeping the stuff, even the stuff you don't like. And thankfully, I have I know enough and I've done enough work that I was able to challenge that on a couple of grounds. First of all, yeah, it was the only top I found, but I did stop looking once I found it. So if it hadn't been there, I would have carried on looking and I would have found another top somewhere. I don't live in a house without tops. You know, I leave the house once in a while, have to be clothed, it's the law. And so part of my kind of logic was flawed. Of course, I didn't find another one because I wasn't looking for another one. But the other logic that I had to remind myself of was if I didn't have a house full of things, then I wouldn't be running around flinging things, going, where are my tops? Because if I lived in a house that wasn't overflowing, tops would have a place <laughs> and I would know where they were. And so for every, I don't really like this that I keep, that makes it harder to find the ones I really like, whether that's the soap, whether that's the top, whether that's the pair of shoes, whether it's my favourite notebook. As long as we're keeping a million spares, we can't put our hands on the things we really want in those moments. And if we use that to justify keeping all the spares, then we're not doing anything to get ourselves out of the problem. We're not doing anything to get ourselves out of the situation where we can't find things because we can't get to the cupboards or because it's chaos that's impossible to organise. And it takes a leap of faith to throw out the soap you don't like, to donate the top you don't like, to throw out the dishwasher detergent that requires smashing <laughs> in order to be used takes a leap of faith because the fear i might be without i might be without i might run out i might not have any is so loud when you hoard that it's really really hard to believe that you can donate the top you don't like and you will Have other tops, and it will in fact be easier to access them. And I did a couple of polls on Twitter. Now, this is not science, it was a small sample size, and the you know, people just answered if they saw my tweets rather than anything else. But I did these polls with this episode in mind. I asked people. And I asked what, I had one poll for hoarders to fill in and one poll for non-hoarders to fill in. And my question was, how many spare toilet rolls do you have in your home? So ignore the ones that are in use. Beyond that, how many spare toilet rolls do you have in your home? And the options were none, up to eight, eight to 20 or 21 or more. And 50% of the hoarders that answered said between 8 and 20 spare toilet rolls, whereas 50% of the non-hoarders said 8 or less. So already your biggest number is people with between 8 and 20 if you're a hoarder, whereas under 8 if you're not a hoarder. But for the hoarders, 33% of people who responded had 21 or more spare toilet rolls compared to 17% of the non-hoarders. So, as I said, not science, but interesting. And worth questioning, how many spare toilet rolls does a person or a family need? And I can already hear, I can already hear people saying, but I've got IVS, it's unpredictable, or I can't get to the shop very often, so I've just got to get them when I see them. And sure, but there are also people who don't hoard with those issues. And it, of course, it's cheaper to buy in bulk, of course, all of these things. But whether it's toilet rolls, or tea bags, or light bulbs, if you have to keep so many spares to assuage that panic that you feel at the idea of running out, at the thought that it might happen, if you have to keep so many that it's getting in the way of your life, if it's getting in the way of your family's lives, then it's something we need to think about and look at, isn't it? Let's talk secrets. I keep my hoarding secret and I often wonder about the effect that these secrets and this shame have on us and on mental health. To start breaking the taboo, I want to hear your hoarding secrets to discuss anonymously on the podcast. I've created a form to submit your secrets anonymously. I won't know who sends what. If you want to tell me your secret for a potential future episode, go to overcomecompulsivehoarding.co.uk slash secret. Another thing I kept spare of that was just unsuitable, but I couldn't quite get rid of, was some vitamin tablets that were just too big to swallow. I should have read the reviews. (laughs) The reviews all said, these are too big to swallow. Maybe I did, and I thought, ah. I'm hardcore. I can swallow a big vitamin tablet. No, couldn't. But I thought I'd better keep them in case I run out of regular vitamin tablets. (laughs) Even though running out of vitamin tablets isn't going to, you know, multivitamins are great to support, you know, support your body and all of that. But you're fine if you go a few weeks without them. Most people, you know, many people go through their whole lives without them and they get through just fine. Um I know that my diet varies. I know that I've not always got the energy to cook, so while my diet is decent, I know it could be better. So I just feel like taking a multivitamin gives me a little bit of backup. But I kept the huge multivitamins in case I ran out, even though if I did run out, I wouldn't suddenly have developed the ability to swallow these horse pills. They were too big. And I couldn't offer them to friends because, what would I say, do you want some vitamins that literally nobody on Amazon can swallow? No. I threw them in the bin, Lesnar. I threw them in the bin. But not before keeping them as spares for a long time and only when I started having this conversation with myself based on the soap and the top and the dishwasher powder. Because the thing is, having spares can be useful. There are things you don't want to run out of. And there are certain things, you know, there's certain food brands in particular that I really like certain food items, but they're quite expensive. And so if they are on special offer, if it's things that will last rather than fresh food, then I take advantage of special offers. When when things are reduced, I will buy a bit of a stash of them because I know already that I really, really like the brand. I know already I really like the product. And I know that I normally can't justify paying full price for them. So I will stock up when those things are on special. So that means I can have treats that I wouldn't be able to justify the cost of otherwise, for instance. That's an example of a time when it can be good to have a bit of stock of these things. Also, you may want to have spare batteries on hand because batteries always run out at inopportune moments. You Obviously, you want to have a couple of light bulbs under the sink so that when a light blows at the worst moment, you can replace it. I'm not saying don't be prepared for the realities of life. The issue is when it's excessive. The issue is when you're saving things that you couldn't use anyway the issue is when you're overbuying and you're creating a situation at home that is absolutely unmanageable, that means you can't live your life to the full now just in case an imaginary situation occurs in the future. And I, understand, I do understand that fear of running out. It's so big for most of us, if not all of us in this camp. But when your spares, when your spares of your spares, when your backups of your backups are taking up all your space, when they're costing you too much money, when they are things to trip over, when you technically have them as spares, but you Immediately forget they exist, so you keep buying more and more and more. That's not working in your favor. Similarly, if there are things that have a shelf life, whether that's food or cosmetics, it's all very well thinking, oh, my favorite vegetable is on offer. <laughs> that's a really weird example. I love aubergines, and aubergines are cheap this week at Tesco. I'm going to buy all the aubergines. And yet, within a week, two weeks, you've just got a fridge full of mush. But even if it's not that short a shelf life, sun cream expires. Makeup you shouldn't use after a certain amount of time. If you're overbuying or storing things, That shouldn't be used in the long term anyway, that's an issue. If you've got so many spares that you have lost track of what you've got, if you've got spares but you find yourself buying duplicates anyway, if you've got so many spares that you can't see what you've got, so you don't know, then that is all counterproductive. You're not helping yourself even your future self who might find themselves short of mascara, if you've got a drawer full of mascara from 1994, don't put that on your eyes. And if you are overbuying spares, I mentioned earlier it's not great for your wallet, but it's also not great like environmentally and if you're buying everything when when it's on special offer, whether you need it or not, then other people who might really benefit from special offer prices can't get it. If you've got if you're if you've got spares of tech that becomes obsolete, that's kind of futile. It it takes up all the space. It costs you money. It's something else to stub your toe on but also by the time you get to it, your laptop won't have anything it can plug into because that will have disappeared several updates ago. So the thing to work out, I say as if that's an easy thing, is to know when to stock up and when to stop and when, how much of, a, of your spare stash to keep and how much to get rid of. I was able to donate the top I don't like because I felt quite happy knowing that it was going to a charity shop and somebody would like it. Somebody wouldn't be bothered by the texture of the fabric and would appreciate getting a top for £3. I threw away the vitamins because they are unreasonable and nobody could get any use of them the soaps i have i threw some away and i kept some i'm not in any danger of running out of soap and yet for some reason i think it's partly because even if they've only been used a couple of times they're then just not suitable to be donated and it's hard to throw like a full bar of soap in the bin but equally it's hard to live in a house full of full bars of soap that I don't like. So I have thrown some of them away. And don't tell me to melt them down and make new soap. I need to stop thinking along those lines. I've I've got to. And that balance is so hard. Balance with hoarders is a real issue. We're we tend to be so all or nothing about the world. And so working out how many spares are reasonable, how much stocking up is reasonable and how much is not is quite, is quite tricky. So I'm going to go through some ways to think about whether to stock up on things or whether to keep spares of things or not. And I hope some of these are really useful to you. So one question to ask yourself is, will you really, really use them, the spare? Or will you, like with my dishwasher powder, like with the soap I don't like, will you mentally kind of write them off and stop noticing that they even exist? If when you're honest with yourself, you won't really, really use them, it's time for them to go. It's time for them to go. Another question to ask yourself is can you realistically use these before they expire? There's no point having spare upon spare upon spare of something that at most you'll need one of, or at most you'll need two of, because they have a use by date. It's worth thinking along the lines of How regularly you use something. If you haven't used something for a certain amount of time, you might want to choose six months, you might want to choose a year, you might want to choose three months or a month or two years. But if you haven't used something for a certain amount of time, you almost certainly don't need a spare of that thing. It's questionable whether you need the thing itself, but you definitely don't need spares. It's worth also thinking about having a particular spot in your home for spares to live. That's got a couple of advantages. One is that it might help with the problem of forgetting that those spares exist. Because when you're running out of something, you can really try and train yourself to say, oh, I'll go check the spare box to see whether you you genuinely need to rebuy something or whether you've got a, a backup in there that you can use. Another benefit of having a box for backups and spares is that if you've got a dedicated amount of space for something, it might help you to not overstock it. It might not. This is a episode I'm working on in my head a bit about whether allocating a space is enough to stop you overstocking, but it might be that if you have one cupboard or one box or something like that where all your spares live and you can really convince yourself that it's that cupboard or nothing, then the benefit of that is that you might find yourself saying, okay, there isn't any room for any more spares? Do I really need everything in here? Do I really need this third spare shampoo? Also, consider writing down how many spares of certain things you have. First of all, it will help you know where you are with things. If you are anxious about running out of something and you can find that note on your phone or that spreadsheet, or that notebook, and it tells you you don't need to panic about batteries. You've got 87 of them. That can help to calm you down. I think it would feel a bit like doing like with like, which I bang on about a lot. But that whole thing of when you can reassure yourself that you really do have plenty of something, it can help you to not acquire more It can help you to get rid of some of what you've got. And it can help to ease that anxiety that might start to creep in whenever you fear that you're going to run out of something. And so, looking at how much you use something, looking at how important that thing is as well, it might be that you don't use something often, but it is absolutely vital. You might not use a torch very often. Oh, what do Americans call torches? I'm not talking about a thing on fire. A flashlight. You might not use it very often, but every six months your power goes out. And when your power goes out, it's out for 18 hours and you need to be able to get around your house. Then sure, have a spare torch or spare batteries for your torch. I think that's fine. If something is really critical, if running out would cause you genuine problems, then even if it's not something you use very often, I think there is a justification for having some spares. But also think about how easy it would be to replace a thing if you did run out. And I'm thinking, along the lines of cost, would it be very expensive to replace a thing? but also availability. Like, is this something that has to be ordered from mainland Europe and handmade and it takes six weeks to get one? Or is this something you can get in the Asda down the road or get Amazon to send you the same day? If it's easy to replace and if it's not prohibitively expensive to replace, you might not need any spares at all. You might not need any, even if it's something you use a lot. If it's something that would be genuinely either financially painful to replace or genuinely difficult to get hold of, then think then about how many spares you might need Think about how long those spares might last. Do they have a use by date? Think about how you can store them. And look at whether the things you're keeping as spares need any work. Do they need any maintenance? It's all very well having 12 spare radios, only to find that when your radio gives up the ghost, you plug them all in and none of them work you know don't keep a kettle that you replaced because you think it might be dangerous but keep it in case your other kettle dies now this is electric kettles i um i don't know what i do without my kettle however they are very easy to replace and can be reasonably cheap to replace so when a previous kettle of mine I suddenly got a bit I I started to worry a bit about the electrics. I wasn't wasn't 100% happy about how the electrics were working. Of course, my first thought was well, I should keep it in case the one I about to replace it breaks. I thought no, actually, because if the one I about to replace it breaks, I still don't think the electrics are safe in this one and you can't mess about with electrics. It would take up you know, then kettles aren't massive, but they're also not small. So it would take up a chunk of space that I could be using for something else. But also when my kettle does inevitably die, as they do in hopefully a few years, it's not going to be a battle to get a new one. I can get one in pretty much any supermarket in the country. And looking at your risk, Tolerance is relevant here. A lot of us are very anxious about risk. Um, We're risk averse. And while I argue in my day to day life that that's generally a good thing to be, a sensible thing to be, if you're overstocking your home so much, you're just replacing one risk with another. You're replacing the risk of not having soap with the risk of a wall of things falling on you in the night. There will be unforeseen circumstances. There will be power cuts. There will be somebody gets a stomach bug and you've suddenly run out of upset stomach tablets. Things will happen. Many of them are solvable without having eight bags full of medicine. That in the midst of that stomach upset, you're having to go through and check all the dates only to find that you've kept that bag and they all expired years ago. Unforeseen circumstances and risk have to be balanced with the impact that having a house full of spares, a house full of backups, to the degree that we can't walk around easily, to the degree that we can't invite people over, to the degree that we can't get the heating fixed. The thing we're afraid of, that risk or that unforeseen circumstance, might well be less bad than the reality that we're forcing ourselves to live in for fear of that risk or for fear of that unforeseen circumstance. And even if you make decisions along these lines, okay, I need a spare soap. Maybe I don't need spare shopping bags, but maybe I do need spare paracetamol. You know, you come to those judgments. They are judgments that you can reassess over time as well. Maybe currently your anxiety is very high and you make certain decisions that are great for now. But in a year or two, you might think, maybe I can relax on Gaviscon. I haven't had heartburn for ages. I don't think I need three spare bottles of Gaviscon. So keep an eye on those things as you go. And so a lot of that is about not acquiring and acquiring and acquiring, but it's also looking at the spares you have currently. And if you have spares that you're listening to this and thinking, you know, she's right. I don't need that many spare makeup bags. How many makeup bag emergencies can there be? (laughs) How many unforeseen circumstances where a makeup bag is the only answer might I meet in my life? And so you're thinking, okay, I've got spares of my spares. I've got spare, spare, spares. I've got backup, backup, backups. What, do I do with this stuff? And it varies from thing to thing to thing. If it's clothes and it's in decent condition, get it to a charity shop. If it's old electricals, take it for electrical recycling. If it's cosmetics, if they are not really old and if they're unopened, get them to a women's refuge, get them to a food bank, get them to a refugee centre, get them to a homeless shelter. If they are medicines, take them back to the pharmacy, who can dispose of them properly. Think through these things. If it's something you've used, say soap, say soap you've used a couple of times, you don't like how it feels, you don't like how it smells, don't donate that to the food bank the refuge because people however dire their circumstances deserve the dignity of new soap of new shampoo of new skin lotion so there are certain things that however bad it feels just have to go in the bin and if you Get overtaken by, oh, this is such a waste. This is a waste of money. This is a waste of stuff. This is a waste of plastics. This is a waste of all of those things. Kind of listen to that. Listen to what that part of your brain is telling you. And then remind yourself that the waste of the money, the excess plastic, the waste of the chemicals and the body lotion, that all happened long ago. You wasted the money when you bought it. You, the plastics wasted when you bought it. The, you know, the waste, it feels horrible, but there's nothing you can do now that stops you having spent that money then. There's nothing you can do now to stop that product having been transported around the world. All you can do with that discomfort now is to make yourself think of it next time you go to buy some body lotion just because it's cheap, or next time something's on special offering, you think maybe you can find a use for it. The waste is at the point of acquisition. And while It feels horrible to many of us to throw something away that somebody could get use of rather than beating ourselves up. Easier said than done, I know. But if you can turn that into determination, turn that discomfort into, I don't want to be in the same situation in two years time. If I buy this now, then in two years time, I'm going to have to be making this precise same decision about this item that I used one centimetre of, lost interest and has been gathering dust ever since. So, think about your spares. Think about whether you have an unreasonable number. Think about what a reasonable number would be and think about that degree of risk, the degree of preparedness that's needed And the proportionality of taking up so much space or spending so much money is the thing important enough to warrant that. Would running out be a complete disaster or actually a minor pain? I never want to run out of toilet roll. It's something I genuinely worry about. What if I ran out of toilet roll? I would hate that. But equally, that doesn't mean I need dozens and dozens and dozens of toilet rolls. Proportionality is the name of the game and it's also one of the hardest things. But the more we think about this stuff, the more we make ourselves be as accountable as we can cope with and that will change And vary, but all we can do is our best. But our best doesn't mean we never challenge ourselves and we never hold ourselves accountable. Because I don't need eight spare soaps when I don't like any of the soaps and that's why they're spares. I don't. I just need to convince that fear filled bit inside me of that. Do you want to be a de hoarding darling? You can be now at darling. If you love the podcast and want a bit extra, you can finally sign up to subscribe. Members will get an exclusive monthly post with an additional top tip, some podcast and music recommendations and a personal update from me about how things are going. Find out the full details at OvercomeCompulsiveHoarding.co.uk slash darling so my shout out this week goes to the podcast Get Organized with Declutter Me and the guest on this little clip is Jasmine Slay who was on this very podcast last week. I will link to the Get Organized with Declutter Me podcast in the show notes as always at overcomecompulsivehoarding.co.uk. But I wanted to share this little snippet for when you are beating yourself up about the state of your home or your life, have a listen.
1: Because we see ourselves on a spectrum that oh, I know what it's like to have sentimental items and but I can throw stuff away quite straightforwardly into yeah. recycling. I automatically project that forward to people who can't let anything go. Yeah. Um everything's sentimental. So we can understand it in a way but we think it's the same it's self-control that is the difference yeah and it's not i know no it's it's a disorder it's a mental health issue it's fear and it is it distorts things at that that end so it's not just laziness no yeah it's never laziness yeah no but if you're amazed, it's so hard to make that sort of argument going forward for for some people. And some of the, the people that I work with feel themselves that's what it is. Yeah, but, but it's, it's no, it isn't. No, um, you know when it's gone to an, a, a sort of uh, a level where there's no home com- comforts available. That's not that's not a choice. That's the brain doing something that's not right for the person. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. I mean, even like clients I've had recently, they've said, you know, people might think I'm lazy. I'm like, you're not lazy. You're just overwhelmed.
0: And it's important to remind ourselves of that. There's being accountable, which is good. There's taking responsibility, which is good, taking action, but equally what they said is right. Okay. Thank you for listening. And I will speak to you next time. Thank you for listening to the Overcome Compulsive Hoarding with That Hoarder podcast. You can find more online at OvercomeCompulsiveHoarding.co.uk. You can find me on Twitter at That Hoarder and on Facebook at Overcome Compulsive Hoarding with That Hoarder. To find out more about how you can support the podcast and the overall project, go to Overcome Hoarding.co.uk slash support and do subscribe to the podcast to make sure you don't miss any future episodes there may be links in this podcast that earn me money this doesn't come at any extra cost to you if you ever make a purchase through the links and it helps to support the future of the podcast Getting professional support as a hoarder can make all the difference. Having somebody on your side who can help you to learn about yourself and make progress in your home is invaluable, but finding an affordable therapist can be a nightmare. Accessing therapy online gives you the option to find the right person who doesn't even have to be in the same country as you, never mind the same town or city. OnlineTherapy.com offers a weekly live session with a CBT therapist, for individuals or couples. It offers unlimited messaging, worksheets, a journal, and even yoga and meditation videos to help you cope. I have a special link for you that will get you a discount at overcomecompulsivehoardingcouk slash online therapy. As you know, I've had CBT, and two years later, I still use the realizations I had about myself as well as the skills I learned. Listeners tell me that you've started to use some of the skills I've shared on this podcast. CBT is a therapy with a broad evidence base that is widely used for a range of mental health difficulties, including hoarding. OnlineTherapy.com specialises in CBT, and if you're not happy with your therapist, you can change to a new one with the click of a button, and prices start at $40 a week which, if you've seen a therapist before, you'll know is incredibly cost-effective. What's more, if you use my link, you can get a whopping 20% off your first month. So sign up at overcomecompulsivehoarding.co.uk slash online therapy, and get 20% off your first month
1: with your new online CBT therapist.